Wow, what a morning. Oh my goodness. So much, so much of God showing himself to be here with us, um, presenting himself in like tangible, feelable, seeable ways. And uh, oh, wow. So last, last, as we know, we're walking into the Christmas season. Oh, by the way, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Sandra, and I'm on staff here in the church. Um, this last couple of weeks, we've been speaking into Christmas and the season that we find ourselves in, like Amy said, every year. It rolls, it seems to like roll around, and the older you get, the faster it seems to leap up um, into, into the vision of what we're doing. And last week, Seb, our youth pastor, spoke into the why Jesus came, and he did that brilliantly. If you didn't hear that, can I encourage you to go online or to, on your phone app, um, download that podcast that Seb spoke um, to, and have a really great listen, because he unpacked the why Jesus came and the why we experience Christmas Today, what I want to do is I want to talk into um, Jesus' earthly parents, the people that actually got to raise him here in this place. So I'm going to start by reading scripture um, to introduce you to like the Christmas story. So it's going to come up on screen, and I'm reading from the contemporary English version if it just sounds and feels a little bit different to what you're used to. So this is how Jesus Christ was born. A young woman named Mary was engaged to Joseph from King David's family. But before they were married, she learned that she was going to have a baby by God's Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph was a good man, and he did not want to embarrass Mary in front of everyone. Now, you kind of got to understand some of the background, which the Bible seems to not always give. But it mentions um, uh, King David's family, that Joseph was in that lineage. Now, for the Jews, lineage is really important. And King David was one of the kings that loved God and actually endeavored to rule Israel and the Jewish people out of that place of a love of God. In fact, he was called a man after God's own heart. So he was kind of pretty special. And it also was written that Jesus would come from that family line, like it would be in his lineage as well. And so it's kind of important that they mention that because this is who Joseph is. So he's like from the royal bloodline, okay? So he's like wanting to keep this on the down low and not have an embarrassing scene that this girl that he's engaged to is now pregnant, okay? So he decides to quietly call off the wedding. Hello. Whilst Joseph was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, the baby that Mary will have is from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. Marry her. Then after the baby is born, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In verse 24, it says, After Joseph woke up, he and Mary were soon married, just as the Lord angel had told him to do. Smart man. 
Anyway, but they did not sleep together before the baby was born. And then Joseph named him Jesus. Okay, let's go over to Luke. And this is Mary's side of the story. So, God sent an angel, Gabriel. I'm just wondering whether it was the same angel that went to Joseph, but his name wasn't mentioned back there. But anyway, I've always wondered that. Have you? Maybe not. Okay. Anyway, this guy, angel, Gabriel, went to the town of Nazareth in Galilee with a message for the virgin named Mary. Just emphasizing again that she, the state that she was, she was a virgin. She was engaged to Joseph from the family of King David. Needed to mention that again. It's important. The angel greeted Mary and said, you are truly blessed. The Lord is with you. Hmm. Now, Mary was confused by the angel's words and wondered what they meant. And another version that I was reading it was that she was a bit, um, what was it? She was bewildered by what might have been behind the words that the angel was speaking to her. Anyway, this one says, she wondered what they meant. Then the angel told Mary, don't be afraid. God is pleased with you, and you will have a son, and his name will be Jesus. He will be great, and we will be called the Son of the God Most High. Mary asked the angel, I mean, how can this happen? I'm not even married. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come down to you, and God's power will come over you. So your child will be called the Holy Son of God. And your relative, Elizabeth, she is also going to have a son, even though she's old, okay, even though she's real old. And it's the emphasis, nothing is impossible for God. And so Mary responds in verse 38 and says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it happen as you have said. And then the angel left her. So this is how the Christmas story began. 2,000 years ago, the time had come for God to unveil his great plan for saving humanity. And how does he begin it? He begins by showing up to one of the most powerless, insignificant people in the world. A teenager, a Jew, and a girl. She was of an ethnicity that had no value. They weren't like a big nation. In fact, they were conquered by the Romans. And the Romans were busy trying to either like squish them, get rid of them, send them off places, but they weren't like, oh, we love the Jews, okay? So she was of an ethnicity that was not valued by the world that she knew. She was young, like very young. She was a female, and in the society of those days, being a female wasn't held in high regard, and she was also single. And what does God do? He says, come here, Mary. 
we're going to bring a saviour into the world. Just you and me. He invites her right off the grid. Right off the grid of her religious traditions. Right off the grid of the cultural laws of the day. Right off the grid for social commitments. And in fact, right off the grid of nature itself. The impossible. And into a supernatural partnership with him. His offer, God's offer, is shocking. It's scandalous and it's mind-blowing. And she knows few, if any, will believe it. I mean, she can hardly understand it herself, but what does she say? She says, yes. And then a few months later, after evidence of Mary's pregnancy becomes kind of undeniable, God appears to his fiance, her fiancé, and it's like, hey, Joe, Joseph, listen, Mary's telling the truth. I'm responsible for that baby inside of her. I know. I didn't consult you and didn't ask for your permission. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to marry her. I need you to be the man that stands between her and the rest of the world. I need you to lay down your own rights, your respectability, and partner with what I am doing with your wife. What a charge. What God asks of Joseph is weighty. It's overwhelming. And in fact, it's quite painful for him. And he probably knows few if any, will approve of it. He can hardly understand it himself. But what does he say? He says yes. Now, there have been many messages, teachings, preachings by amazing pastors and speakers all over the planet, all through time since Jesus was born on the significance of saying yes to God and the significance of having this humble faith of Mary's that says, let it be to me according to your words, God. But what we see here in this story as well is not just one person saying yes to God. We see two people saying yes. Yes to God and yes to one another, a man and a woman. You see, neither Mary nor Joseph could actually accomplish what God had asked of them alone. They needed one another to fulfill this shared assignment that they had. Together, they would have the strength and courage to face the whispers and the gossip of breaking religious tradition, of going against cultural laws and social commitments, of 
trying to say that this was supernatural. Strength and courage together to leave their known and go and live in a foreign country to keep their baby safe. And then to come back, strength and courage, to reestablish themselves back where they had gone from, back to the gossip, back to the question marks, taking Jesus to the, the temple so that he could be raised um, and taught, but choosing to pursue God still, choosing to follow after him together, together. They would find the courage and the strength. There was, of course, a deeper theme at work here too. God was inviting this couple to begin the restoration of all things that unraveled right back to Adam and Eve. Human history began with a man and a woman and a shared assignment to be fruitful, multiply, and bring the whole earth into order and flourishing. That was their shared assignment. But when they, what theologians call the first Adam, they turned their yes to God, towards what God had actually said no to, it released a legacy of disorder and destruction. For those of you who might not know, Adam and Eve lived in this place called Eden. Eden was amazing. It was beautiful. Everything there was for Adam and Eve. It was beautiful. There was only one tree and all of everything that was there for them that God said, no, don't eat of that. Why would God do that? I mean, I've asked that. Why would God do that? Why, why did he place that tree there? Why? It's because God gave us free will. He gave us the freedom to choose. And if you can only ever choose one thing, then there's not freedom, is there? Like, I can either choose to be kind or I can choose to be mean. If I can only ever choose to be kind, then I've not got, like, a choice to be mean. So God gave them choice. Only one temptation was there for them. Anyway, back to my notes. God really only wanted them to know good. This tree was called the knowledge of good and evil. And God actually wanted them to live and know good. But this is what they did for years. They lived choosing well. Then we read, they wanted more. So they chose, and so they used their free will. They said no to God, and yes to themselves. Does that sound like, I know that sounds like me. Does that sound like you? Oh my goodness. And it released that legacy of disorder and destruction. So let's fast forward to Mary and Joseph, the submission and surrender of Mary and Joseph, which ushered in the arrival 
of the one whom we call, or theologians call, the last Adam. That's Jesus. And it began the process of God being able to reopen the road back to the power of our shared yes to him. Together, Joseph and Mary fulfilled their assignment and brought the Son of God into the world, him leaving a legacy of restoration, redemption, and restoration. Him leaving the opportunity for a fresh start, free from punishment and knowing mercy, free from sin, delivered from it, and us being restored to our true self, whom he created us to be. So at this Christmas time, I want to say afresh that going with Jesus means going together. It's not just a yes with him. We have a shared assignment. It actually means yes, yes, yes for all of us. Partnership with God is what the Christian life is all about. He invites us to join him in what he is doing, and he is just as much at work today like Heather has so beautifully shared with us. But also in the hidden things, when he's not so obvious. He is just as much at work today, unraveling the brokenness of us, the lost humanity, as he was 2,000 years ago. We're being drafted into impossible situations and given assignments that require us at times to risk our reputation, risk our comfort, and for some, even our lives, for the gospel. And this, believe it or not, this actually comes with the territory when we say yes to the supernatural God. But he also calls us to a shared yes with one another because we have a shared assignment together. He does not call us to go alone and we cannot put the love and restoration of, of God on display without one another. That minister that prayed for you together, the shared yes, and God's love was displayed. It wasn't in isolation. God calls us together. This is why Jesus' final prayer before going to the cross was so powerful was for you and me. In the Passion Translation, I'd like to read it. Jesus is saying, I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with you so the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory that you have given me, I have given them. I find that astounding. The very glory that the Father gave Jesus, he's given to you and to me so that 
they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. I mean, that whole set of verses just kind of blows me away. Like Heather was saying, theology, you know, it's like you get wowed with almost every single sentence. But it's that last one that captures me. That they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Papa, Abba, Daddy God, Father, loves you. I'd like you just kind of like go like this. Yeah. Loves you, you personally, as much as he loves Jesus. As much as he loves Jesus. Let that sink in. Don't let that just be like a gloss over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he loves me. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Wow. So this Christmas, I urge you to look around at the people that God has placed in your life. Particularly those that you are kind of like walking in covenant with, that you have committed yourself to with husbands and wives, parents and children, business partners, friends, teammates in ministry together, small groups. These are your partners in restoration. These are the ones on the journey with you to encounter the reality that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And then to put that reality on display to the world around you. That it has that onflow and impact into everybody else's lives around you. So that, so that the world would see and find themselves irresistibly drawn into his love and then into his family to experience his unity, that unified love that he gives us. Yes, learning to walk in that kind of love and in that kind of way and that shared commitment and yes to one another involves struggle. Let's be real. Oh, I'll own this. I'm not perfect. <laughs> so you come alongside of me and before too long, I'll annoy you. I will. I won't do it purposefully. Generally. Hey, team. Hey. I'm not perfect. So learning to walk in that kind of love involves struggle. We must battle our fears and our unbelief and our internal world on the inside. And then there's the worldly pressures on the outside that come at us just like Joseph and Mary did 
just like them. And then learn how to step out beyond the limits of our old humanity, what we're leaving behind to step into our shared yes with God and with others, and say yes to venturing into the new, yes to venturing into the unknown, yes to learning about unconditional love, giving it and receiving it, yes to being forgiving, yes to vulnerability, yes to being accountable, yes to laying down our lives, yes to letting go of hurt, yes to letting go of offense, yes to refusing to let bitterness actually rule us and charge us, yes to having courageous conversations, yes to love, yes to hope, yes to joy. And I've got to tell you, it's impossible to do that all on your own. Impossible. Even the monks who like to go off by themselves, they're fine until they see someone. That's just the way of humanity. And God never intended us to do it alone. He himself has always said yes to us. Always. His never-ending and pursuing love has always been yes. The invitation has always been there. Yes. And he says he's placed us in family. That's one of his keys. Both our biological, but also our kingdom family. And when we say yes together, like Mary and Joseph, nothing can stop us from the impossible. Nothing can stop us from walking through the impossible or making it through the impossible with God and with others. We need both. So I want to encourage you to lean into these partnerships that God has actually given into your world. Create space for these relationships. Be intentional to keep growing, to keep flourishing, to keep sharing. In fact, jealously guard what he has given you. It is a gift. Your shared yes and our shared assignment. Say yes again even when it's hard. Like I said, there will be struggle internally and externally. But keep saying yes. If you feel like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, you're kind of wondering actually if you've got very much kindness and grace left in you and there's not a lot of overflowing joy bubbling up out of you looking towards this Christmas time and sharing it with all your extended family. <laughs> not that we'd admit any of that out aloud. I want to create a God space right now. Band, could I get you guys to come up? To, to allow God to fill you afresh, I want to continue what was begun at the very beginning when we started with our praise and worship. And the door got wide, opened wider again when Heather shared her story. And I feel like God's actually wanting to open it wider again of his love and his presence actually coming 
and filling you. And my heart's desire today is that we would actually be family towards one another. Our shared yes, our shared assignment. And that you would just simply ask the person next to you if they'd like you to pray for them, like Heather did. And to release God's love on them, that we would bless one another. That God's love would come in all the forms that we actually feel empty in right now. You don't have to talk. You don't have to share what it is that's going on in your world, unless you want to. But you don't have to. But I would like us to have this opportunity to be family and our shared yes towards one another that we then could actually fulfill the assignment that God has actually given us to love on the people that he includes in our world as we walk through this time that is all about God the Father shared his only begotten son with us so that we would know him and that pathway would be restored afresh. There are some of you here that have not ever intentionally said yes to God, ever. Yes or yes to inviting Jesus in and saying, I actually, I want you as like the leader of my life. I need to say yes to you and I want to say yes to you. Yes to embracing what he did on the cross, that he took your sin, that he died for you that he gave healing, wholeness, wellness, internally and externally. You've never said yes to a fresh start with him. And I want to give you opportunity today. If you've come today and you're sitting next to someone who asks you, would you like me to pray for you? that you'd actually ask them to pray for you in this kind of way, that you want to actually invite Jesus to be your leader. And then after that, come and talk to me at the end of the service. There is so much to celebrate about you saying yes to God. So the band are going to play a song. No, they're going to create a time afresh where we're just inviting God's presence to come. So if you're not sitting next to anybody, um, uh, maybe come down the front if you want to or find someone <laughs> so that you can actually make sure you don't leave this place without being blessed, being prayed for, being loved on by the family that you're with. And then... Uh, Feel free to make your way out into the cafe and to continue sharing together and being church family with one another. If you would like to come forward for prayer, because you feel more comfortable with that, I'm, I'm more than happy for you to do that too. But let's be family. Let's do this. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, would you like me to pray with you?